Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Special impromptu edition of the Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast being brought to you on this Monday where my first and first of two uh, pre-draft Buffalo Bills seven-round mock drafts drops, and we are going to get into it today. And the idea behind this, Ryan, I, I texted you about it earlier today, is just to present the mock in a little bit more detail here talk it over a little bit, and then maybe even have you poke some holes in it, and we'll hopefully do that with your next mock draft as well. Um, How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing great. Like you said, Monday afternoon, impromptu session, less than two weeks away from the draft. It's a good time to be a football fan and a better time to be a Bills fan. Indeed. Uh, This is such a fun time of year because I feel like we do all this work a little bit less for us as we talked about over the course of the podcast because we were spending so much time on free agency and covering this team's playoff run and and so on and so forth. Uh, But we've been really diving into the draft stuff and I feel like I'm in a good place. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in a good place at at having a handle of some of these players and what the Bills are going to do depending on how uh, things shake out in this draft. And so for my first mock draft, there were trades. There were trades, uh, multiple trades in the first and second round, and we'll get into them uh, here today. Uh, to start off with, the Bills trade up in the first round. And I know that that's a little bit different. I know that there's been a lot of scenarios where the Bills trade back. I'm going to get into why it happened this way. But the Bills trade up from 30. They give up this year's fifth round pick, uh, the first one. Uh, which is pick number 161 and next year's fifth round pick to move up five spots to pick 25. And in so doing that, they select Jason Oway, defensive end out of Penn State. Now, when I first did this, it was for Jalen Phillips. I, I thought I can write a and create a scenario where Jalen Phillips would be still be on the board at 25. And I just don't think that I can do it. So that I want to get that out of the way first and foremost. I tried to do it for a couple days, and I just think that his stock is taking a little bit too high of a bump here late. Um, and we can talk about draft stock in general on a, on a future podcast because I think that's such an interesting, nuanced conversation. Um, 
But they go with Jason Owe, and the big reason for it, Ryan, is that all the top cornerbacks, and I'd say that there's a tier of four, Greg Newsom, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, and Caleb Farley are all off the board by the 22nd pick. Not only are the top four CBs gone, but four defensive ends have also gone in this mock draft. So you're talking about um, Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, Aziz Ojolari, and Gregory Rousseau. And I know that um, you were just on uh, the uh, Danger and Bataglia up in Rochester, and you were talking about Rousseau a little bit and his draft stock falling. And it's interesting because I feel like he's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, the narrative out there is that his stock is falling, but I'm wondering if when we get to the draft that some of these more plugged in guys, Daniel Jeremiah, who seems to be pretty high on him, if his status might not be that he's just still going to be in the first round. So with four gone at defensive end, four gone at cornerback, I go with Jason Owe and I go for it for multiple reasons. I'm going to let you kind of dive into this thing, but let me just give my reasoning. He's not a finished product, far from it. He's a guy that you take to develop into what you hope he can kind of become, what that ceiling kind of is. Had no sacks at Penn State last year, but he's an absolute physical freak. He actually appeared preseason on Bruce Feldman of The Athletic on his freak freak sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's what he exactly calls it, but he does kind of like who are the athletic phenomenons that you want to watch every season. Jason Owe was one of those players, and he performed so well at his pro day. And uh, – where he's at from a football acumen, it's not there yet, but this is a pick where you feel confident. What, what I think we've learned from Brandon Bean throughout free agency is there's a confidence level in what they have on the roster right now to a degree, enough so that they didn't address the position in free agency. I know they kind of were in the mix there for J.J. Watt, but there was no real smoke around them addressing the position after that, which was well before free agency started. So I think that Uh, attacking this position in the draft has always kind of maybe been the plan, which is crazy to say because, Ryan, they've gone defensive line in the last three drafts. Um, Harrison Phillips on day one or day two. Harrison Phillips, Ed Oliver, and then A.J. Epinesa. They haven't drafted a cornerback on day one or day two since Shredavious White. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective. And at 30, I think it could be the year that maybe that gets flipped around. They do address cornerback early. Uh, because, like you said, four edge rushers were already off the board by the time you were getting to, to that uh, middle of the first round when you traded up to get Jason Oway. You know, he's intriguing. I'll be the first to admit that because of the athleticism, because of what he could end up being, what the ceiling can be. Uh, but the Bills are going to have to feel pretty confident that they can develop him. And Eric Washington obviously has a lot of experience being a defensive line coach from Carolina, obviously some some time there too as the defensive coordinator, but he, he's worked with defensive linemen a lot. So if he feels that he can develop him into a special type of pass rusher, it's worth it because Jerry Hughes is getting up there in age. Mario Addison, who they brought back, is up there in age. You have A.J. Epineza, but A.J. Epineza is not necessarily going to be that guy that gets sacks due to his athleticism. He's dropped some weight. He looked... M- like he had more speed to his game by the end of last season. Uh, but he, he's going to be more of uh, it's going to have to come down to his pass rush moves more likely than, than his overall just leaning on his athleticism. So it, it makes sense long-term. Uh, the, the only thing I would say about what you mentioned earlier is about draft stock and all that is 
I don't think necessarily that Jalen Phillips is an automatic off the board by the time you get to those mm. mid-20s because of the concussion history. Right. That's something that teams are going to have to really weigh when they're drafting him. Talent-wise, it's all there. He is the complete package. But you're also one or two shots to the head from him being out for a few weeks and how long would his career be in this game. Uh, so you're going to feel really confident about that. And obviously there's team doctors. They do their due diligence in this. Uh, but th- I, I really do feel that this year, especially there's going to be some really talented players that do fall into those mid twenties or even to pick 30 into Buffalo's life, just because of the lack of film. Some of these players opted out or there was very few games on them this season. Uh, and, and just because as you, you've mentioned, there's going to be that of two or three teams that make those head scratching picks that don't make sense that didn't match up with any mock drafts you know there's gonna be the run on the quarterback so i wouldn't necessarily eliminate jalen phillips but based on who was available i i certainly understand the rationale of going after an away in round one and i know if you're probably sitting there too thinking okay well maybe just wait at 30 and get a guy there, whether it be OA or one of that next, you know, group, or if maybe you think OA is in that group with a, a, a Jay Tryon from Washington or uh, a Peyton Turner from, is that, a, is that, did I say his name right? Peyton Turner? From Houston? I believe. Yep. Um, who actually, I believe played with um, Ed Oliver uh, down there at Houston, which I thought would be intriguing as well. And listening to his, some of the stuff that I've heard said about him and, and his, kind of moldable potential as a pass rusher. He might be intriguing as well. But I just wonder if always the kind of guy you take a real swing with here because of, you know, and it would come down to another piece of this that I didn't get into too much in the, in the article, but I, I think that it's, that kind of appealed to me about him was that I think that he, he fits the Bills mentality. Like he's coming out with a chip on his shoulder, I think. He wants to prove that not having a sack his, his his last season at Penn State was an aberration. And just because, you know, because he did get to the quarterback, five and a half sacks uh, the year before, worked a little bit more on setting the edge, his run defense. So I think that this is a guy that, you know, you just look down the line at what he possibly could be. And that's why you make this pick if you pick it. But this is also a mock draft and I'm just presenting a situation. I think that you probably you probably in best case scenario have one of those four cornerbacks fall to you at 30 or be in the range to trade up for. But I really do think as we get closer, there's a good chance that they're all gone um, at um, before pick 20, uh, 22, which I had in the draft. All right. Second pick here. Let's move right along. Uh, I didn't want this to be too long today because we got a lot of shows this week, Ryan. So this is um, uh, we're, we're we're getting after it. The Bills move back again in the second round, so they leave the second round completely. But let's be, remember that they had a very late pick in the second round. That's what happens when you win football games and in, in deep into January, um, they pick they trade away pick sixty one and ninety three, so their second and third round picks, and they get back two picks in the third round. 74 and 82, and now a fourth round draft pick at 124, which they didn't have going into this thing. So now all things said and done after all the trades, the Bills will have um they will have a first round pick, two third round picks, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. And with that first pick at number 74, the Bills go Divine Diablo, safety out of Virginia Tech. And uh, I know probably some fans are gonna be sitting here saying, like, 
cornerback waiting for the cornerback name. Give me the cornerback name. Give me the cornerback game. It's at number 74. And I throw out uh, a potential uh, big nickel uh, uh, guy. But this is a guy that in Diablo, the more you look at him, you know, obviously the the eye opening pro day performance, really a young guy. But the stuff that's really stood out to me over the draft process here as we've you know read up and, and listened to people talk about him who have scouted him. It's just that tenacity, that physicality as a tackler. He said he was talking to teams about what they kind of envisioned for him. And one of the big things was, you know, we think we could be a linebacker in the NFL. And I think, you know, that doesn't necessarily intrigue me as much, just converting to a will linebacker and, and grooming him behind, I guess, Matt Milano. But if he can be that, you know, do it all type of player, line him up in the slot, maybe be a depth safety if you need him to be. Uh, this guy has those kinds of potential. And I know a lot of people are high on Hamza Nasser al-Din, but I'm wondering if, you know, and again, the draft stock conversation, but it seems like as we get closer and, and whether that was an oversight early on or not, it seems like he might be the more um, intriguing option. What are your thoughts on this one? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, first and foremost, uh, safety itself has kind of become a sneaky need for Buffalo uh, with Dean Marlowe leaving and not knowing exactly what they have in, in Jaquan Johnson. That's not necessarily what Divine Diablo would be, but I, I do like this pick. I like how he could uh, fit in this defense in certain packages. And then, you know, I, I know you don't want to talk about it. Or I know fans don't want to talk about it. He's also pretty solid here, can be a special, uh, a solid special teams contributor. So you're getting that. And when you're winning games and you have a deep roster, that's something else you need to factor in. How are we going to get these guys on the field? Diablo, there's a path to getting him on the, in the defense, getting him some snaps out there. But you also want to make sure that there's a path to get him out there on a regular basis. And that would probably be special teams where you could certainly contribute in that area as well. Second pick in the third round here at number 82. Go to the defensive line, back to the defensive line, because I still think that this is an area, uh, a sneaky need for the Bills. Starla Tulele is coming back, and so you have your starting one tech. Uh, as long as there hasn't been a regression or any types of problems sitting out a year, he probably slots in as that day one uh, one tech. But I think you want to get your one tech of the future, and I think they can do that uh, by going to NC State and grabbing Aleem McNeil. Uh, six foot two, 317 pounds. And listen, you, you start combing through the scouting reports and a former superstar baseball player has a, a great deal of athleticism. And, and this is something that Dame, Bru Dame Brugler wrote that really stood out to me about him. He said, he's an explosive big man and routinely the first lineman out of his stance, talking about the quickness, resets the line of scrimmage with his power and can maybe some time in his development become a guy that really causes havoc from that role because you know I think they drafted Ed Oliver to be a three tech pass rusher. And at times he hasn't created that because they've asked him to, to be the nose. Just imagine Ed Oliver next to a guy that can also do that from that one tech position and take on those double teams and push the pocket back. This guy seems like from a value perspective, if he's there at 82, this seems like the way to go for me. Uh, this is maybe my favorite pick of your mock draft. Uh, I really liked him a lot. Like you, you've mentioned a lot about what's to like about him. He was actually a high school running back too. Now mm -hmm. he's three fifteen. Uh, he he's someone that is really good against the run already. You mentioned it though. He he's kind of has that fast twitch, that first step where that can also maybe develop into wreaking some havoc in terms of getting after the quarterback too. Uh, the interior defensive line in this class is weak. It, it just is. By the time you get to day three, 
Uh, th there might still be one or two players you can get early on day three that could come in and play that one tech role that that heir apparent to Star Latulale. Uh, but but it's so thin there. So getting him where you did, it makes a lot of sense from you know where I think he's about going to fall in this in this draft from a skill set and what he again what he could be, what he could end up being because I think he's already a solid player, but he has a lot of those traits to really become maybe a better pro than he was even uh, a prospect uh, coming out of NC State. In the fourth round, which the you know the Bills didn't have a pick here, they add that with the way that they've gone about this. Um, in this scenario, they go cornerback, and this is somebody that you reported on. Uh, I believe it was last week. Why don't you announce the pick and, and, and tell us a little bit about what, what went on there? Yeah, Sean Wade out of Ohio State. First and foremost, Sean Wade had a great pro day. Uh, really checked any boxes that maybe some teams had. I don't think any teams necessarily had any, any question marks about his athleticism. But the Bills have done their due diligence on Sean Wade. Uh, they've zoomed with him a few times. They, they've, they've done their homework. They've, uh, I'm sure they've watched a lot of his film as well. He's coming off of a little bit of a down year. I think that they, I think uh, teams that end up drafting him, you're going to play him if uh, if you're going to play him as a pure cornerback on the inside that nickel roll. But he has some versatility to his game. And again, versatility is the name of the game with the Buffalo Bills. They love players that you can kind of move around as chess pieces on both sides of the ball. So again, an another really solid pick here. Uh, what was your rationale for going with Sean Wade? Yeah, so I, I I thought that he was the best player on the board at a position of need. The Bills didn't go cornerback yet, and he was sitting there kind of standing out on the board in the fourth round, coming off of a disappointing season. And I, I love what he said at his pro day. I mean, he said, listen, COVID happened, injuries happened, family problems happened. I could give you all the excuses in the world, but you know, it, it happened, and I'm ready to move on from it and be better. And I think that that is going to resonate, you know, for the Bills, a team that, you know, likes likes those guys that, you know, have something to prove. And he'll he'll come in here and have something to prove. I mean, you, you liked it, all the stuff, the physical stuff was great, the pro day, that, that checks out and that's great. But, you know, he you want to get him in the, into the building. And I feel like a guy like this who had all of that flash uh, potential, uh, flashed all that potential early on in his career, he's already shown that he could do it at a high level. And I think with the right situation, the right coaching, Sean McDermott, John Butler and, and company uh, in, in Buffalo, I, I think that's an intriguing mix. And you mentioned the versatility as always. I like that as well. In the fifth round, uh, the bills go quarterback for a sec. I'm just kidding. I would not do that to you guys. Jake Fromm is, is still probably going to be the only quarterback drafted for the foreseeable future um, with Josh Allen on the roster. And, uh, and company, but uh, no, I go offensive line and Ty Inseki is now in Dallas. Uh, Trey Adams recently announced his retirement. I know that wasn't a huge piece, but a developmental piece that was on the practice squad last year. He's no longer in the mix. So I thought, listen, swing tackle. I know everybody loves Ryan Bates, as do I. Uh, we'll see where he slots in, but I, I think getting younger uh, and getting more developmental talent on the offensive line is the way to go. And I've been. I've been really blown away by what I've heard of Brendan uh, Hymas out of no Nebraska. He four-year starter. I was listening to Brandon Thorne on the Athletic Football Podcast, offensive line guru, and and here was a quote that really stood out. He's very athletic. His foot quickness is there, but not just that. The actual patterns he's executing in his pass sets are very efficient. His hands are very good. He's consistently uses using his hands to reestablish position on pass rushers. He just gets guys blocked consistently and he's faced very good competition. Checked all the boxes for me, so that's where I went. 
And, and versatility, again, not to, you know, keep using that word, but it's there. Uh, interesting. One thing that I did find interesting is this is where the Bills finally go on offense because you've had defense all the way through to this point. Now, when you look, though, I don't think it's far out of the realm of possibility that Bills go defense for their first three, four picks. Just because they have so many returning starters on both sides of the ball, it truly is going to come down to a best player available. Uh, so, you know, attacking the offensive line, yeah, it, it, it makes so much sense because Brandon Bean does it every year in the offseason, adding a lot of veterans to the mix for depth roles, uh, for competition purposes. But he also looks to the draft to find those long-term possible answers. And if you can get a swing tackle or if you can get someone that can contribute on the interior, whatever the case may be, uh, not just obviously as a rookie, but long-term, that, that's a home run pick on day three of the draft. And to wrap up day three here, uh, the Bills go corner again in the sixth. Uh, Darren Hall out of San Diego State, more tackling. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's a big deal going into next year. Not that there's, you know, the guys on the on the roster are, aren't really good tacklers. There's a lot of them that are. Um, but I think that they want to get as many young developmental players that kind of come in that, that um, you know, a moldable piece of clay. Well, part of that clay already is a strong suit for tackling. I think Darren Hall fits that, that mix. I don't even know if he'll be there in the sixth round. This might be, you know, I think that he's a guy that maybe the scouting community might be a little bit higher or quicker to, you know, realize than everybody else. And then in the seventh, help me out here, my friend, wide receiver from <laughs> Illinois, Josh Imator Bibhi. Bibhi, do your best, do your best, get, throw it at me. I'm just going to call him Josh. We're going to just call him <laughs> Josh for short. Uh, Darren Hall, Bills, again, have done their due diligence. They've met with him. They, they like him. Uh, I think he has some plus athleticism. I think he has good footwork for, for the cornerback position. That's obviously so important to that position. So getting him late on day three, that's about where he's projected in a lot of these uh, drafts. I think that's a, a solid pick. Uh, you have to remember, too, a lot of these late day three picks, the Bills probably aren't necessarily thinking they're going to make this main roster because of so much talent, so much depth. But is this someone that we can kind of sneak onto our practice squad, someone that we can develop? Uh, and he he checks those boxes. Uh, wide receiver, you know, Josh, for sure, obviously. I like it. I, I think wide receiver is an, it's another deep class, much like last year's draft. Uh, I wouldn't be Immator shocked. Immator Babi. I'm going to go Immator Babi. Immator Babi. Okay, I'm Josh Immator Babi. I don't know. I just butchered it. I just butchered it, Matt. You just said it, and I forgot it already. Immator uh, Babi. I'm going to go with Immator that. Babi. Okay, Immator Babi. Uh, he could end up being the pick, but I would not be shocked if the Bills have a wide receiver in this draft on their roster by the end of day two. I think it's a sneaky need, especially after we had our our show last week and we were talking about it at pick 30, how maybe wide receivers in play. Cole Beasley's uh, getting up there in age. He only has a few years left on his deal. Emmanuel Sanders is obviously up there in age. He signed a one-year deal. Uh, Gabriel Davis was outstanding as a rookie, but maybe you're looking for a, a slightly different skill set uh, in terms of, of what you want on that field with your with your three wide receiver sets in the future, and you don't so maybe you need to go early in that position, find a guy with blazing speed that can be opposite Stefan Diggs and have Gabriel Davis on the field too, thinking long-term, not this year, but after Cole Beasley, after Manuel Sanders. Isaiah McKenzie's only here uh, on the short-term basis again. It seems like it's a year-by-year -year, uh, deal with him. So 
I wouldn't be shocked if wide receivers added earlier, but getting a wide receiver late in this draft again for developmental purposes makes plenty of sense. Uh, Imator Baby, unbelievable hops. I mean, I think this dude had a plus 46 high jump and uh, at his pro day, which is just absolutely unreal. And I just think that, like, when you're drafting at this spot in the seventh round, like you mentioned, if I didn't go, if they don't go receiver uh, earlier, I still think that you you probably want to add one if you can because it's a it's a deep uh, class, and so this is a guy with traits that I think was probably even it's probably even better than his college stats would would show to you just because of who you know who he played had around him. Uh, but I like I like like traitsy type of guys in this spot. Don't rem- don't forget though they still have a lot of talent at the position, and you know I, it would. Just as much as it wouldn't surprise me if they drafted a wide receiver in this draft, it would equally not surprise me if they didn't, just because I know that there's some high hopes for uh, Isaiah Hodgins in the building there. This is a little bit different of a player. Um, I'm not sure if they have him necessarily on the roster. Um, I I know Gabriel Davis probably projects similarly in some ways, but this just seems like more of an athletic freak that you could kind of bring in and do multiple things with. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. We have plenty more mock drafts to come, Ryan. We have a mock draft coming up on Wednesday night. We're hoping to bring a few people onto the show. Uh, still working on booking those. Uh, we're hoping that the Doug Flutie show goes down on Wednesday afternoon, 2.30, special time. Still waiting final word on that, so stay tuned on that. And then we'll have another one of these when Ryan uh, does his uh, seven-round mock, his next one. And, uh, yeah, it's off to the races, buddy. Less than two weeks. Yeah, can't wait. I've always loved the draft. Uh, obviously, you know, these the last decade, it's probably been more exciting for Bills fans because they've been picking in that top 10, top 12 range. But like you said earlier in the show, the fact that they're picking late, it's a good sign. It's because the Bills are winning. They've built this roster upright. Uh, they have the right head coach, GM in place. So have the patience. Don't get too upset if you sit through 29 picks just to find out the Bills trade number 30 and, and then you kind of stayed up all night. It could happen. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, but the Bills are in a good spot no matter what happens here. But look, I look forward to this every year. They're definitely trading back because I'm going to Cleveland just for Thursday. So <laughs> we're doing the pre, we're doing a, uh, a show on Wednesday night, and then we're going to do the live podcast on Wednesday night. And then, uh, of course, Thursday night we'll be at the draft, and they're going to trade back because I went to Cleveland. Watch, just mark it down. All right, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We're going to get out of here. Keep it locked on Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. We will see you on Wednesday. Later, guys.